Welcome to Faith FM. It is a beautiful morning. I don't normally get up this early, but we are up this early. Uh, my name is Blake Penland. I will be your host for today. And until further notice, it's just me and you. So as you're listening, it's just Blake here in the studio. Uh, if if you want to come in and help out, uh, you're more than welcome to to come in and, and join me for the show because right now it's just me and Megantha. So we're going for it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are excited for the Christmas week upon us. This is this is it. This is it. We're counting down the day, so I hope you got your shopping done. This is exciting. I'm I'm a little I gotta be super honest. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna break it down for you. Okay. Some events have happened, and it's just me in the studio. Me and Megantha. She's helping out, she's producing, she's smiling, she gave me two thumbs up, and I'm in here in the studio part with the headphones on, and it's just me by myself. So what I'm going to need is you as the listeners, please call us in. Call, text, let us know that you're listening so I'm not here by myself. I'm getting a little anxiety because I'm all on my lonesome, and I'm going to need some friends to let us know that you're listening. So text in the answer again to the to the question that we just had, but also just let us know you're listening. And if you have some questions about the Bible that you want to dive into, I'm super excited about that. And it might even be a cool idea if you have any Christmas questions. Like, what's what's the deal with Christmas? What's going on with Christmas? What's it all about? What's it there for? Maybe uh, maybe you have some Christmas questions, uh, and we can get this uh, show started off right for the week as we prepare for this week ahead. Now, also, I'm supposed to be sharing some good news. So, first off, the best news of all time is that Jesus is coming again. So, if you don't know that, I just want to let you know that Jesus is on his way. He's coming again. It's the second coming. And the cool thing about the Christmas season, the Christmas uh, time, is a reminder that he actually came in person the first time over 2,000 years ago, and he came. Now, we know that the 25th of December is not the day that Jesus was born, but the cool thing is that it is evidence that when, when he came, it's a reminder every year that he actually did come as a baby. He was He grew up, and he lived his life in a beautiful way so that he would then sacrifice himself so that you could have life forever. So he he essentially uh, dies the death that you deserve so that you could live the life that he deserved as the king of the universe. He, he has said, you're part of the royal priesthood, you are sons and daughters of God, and you have an opportunity to have eternal life. So for me, I, I just think that's super exciting, super cool. Now, in the Christmas kind of theme, Christmas kind of spirit. I don't know if you knew this, but I was looking up some some cool news stories this morning. And 178 years ago, the Christmas Carol was written by Charles Dickens. Now, that's that's a kind of an interesting uh story. Uh that Charles Dickens, he he was he wrote that book Oliver Twist, um and he was really into uh or really kind of shined a light on the living conditions of London at the time. It was it was pretty rough, actually. Uh, and he really focused in on all the kids uh, that just had it so tough. But in this particular story, uh, in A Christmas Carol, he writes this story about this guy named Ebenezer Scrooge. Many of you have probably heard this story. And, and he's visited in the nighttime 
by the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, and the, uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Now, if you know your Bible, we know that that's not true because the dead know not anything. We've studied that out, and we can look into that later on as well, too. And uh, Ecclesiastes 9.5 gives us the, the heads up that when you're dead, you're just asleep, waiting for the Lord to return. But anyway, this made-up novella uh, about this guy named Ebenezer Scrooge, he just hates Christmas. He always saying, bah, humbug, just absolutely, totally derails the idea of Christmas, totally anti-Christmas. Uh, I know some people like that, actually. I know some modern-day Scrooges. Uh, but anyway, Charles Dickens, he writes this book in six weeks, just six weeks, and then he starts actually reading it out loud, and the public readings of this story became so popular, so popular, that uh, he did another 127 public readings before he passed away. So that's that's kind of cool. And he... It's very interesting, this idea of bah humbug. It actually became sealed in the English lexicon as an expression of cynical retort towards sentimentality. And then the actual name Scrooge is used ever after, uh, and it's added into the Oxford English Dictionary in 1982. So this is kind of a, a pretty powerful book to think back to uh, the Christmas Carol all those years ago, 178 years ago. You know, I, I think about the my past Christmases and my future uh, Christmases and the and the Christmases that are happening. Like Christmases pre-COVID, I got to be honest, they were just so much more fun. You could get together, you gathered around, uh, you had a bunch of food. I'm I'm from a family of rednecks from America, so we almost always lit something on fire. Um in a safe way, of course. Uh, there weren't like structural fires because that would be awkward. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that happened a long time ago. We'd always ride quads. Uh, we always shoot guns. Um, it was pretty pretty redneck. Uh, I, I don't even think I can say all the other stuff that happened on the radio either. So it's it's pretty wild times. I'm I'm getting the uh, the mute button from again. It's getting wild actually. But no, Christmas has always been a great time um, for me to get together and be with family. But you know, with COVID, it's a little bit more difficult. And so we we've lived in Australia for uh, wow since 2007. So I don't even know that's like 15 plus years. But we have been doing the whole Skype Christmas for years before Zoom ever existed. And so our family would get together, we'd turn on the Skype or WhatsApp or uh, now we use Zoom. And we actually have Christmas overseas with our family in Africa, our family in uh, in America. My wife's from Zimbabwe. My my family's from America. And so we've been used to this on-screen Christmas uh, for a long time. And now it's just kind of become norm because of, because of COVID. But I, I do hope that this year, if, if it's possible, I hope that you get to spend this time with your family, wherever they may be. Even if it's on screen, screen time's better than no time. But I do hope that you are able to actually spend that time in person as well, too. Uh, I'm looking at a couple good news stories. I, we're, we're getting close to time here, but I want to I share this crazy news story. Um, speaking of families, my dad, before he passed away, he had this crazy surgery uh, where he had the corneas of his eyes replaced. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that or not, but... It's pretty wild, and I could be wrong about this. Please call in and text if I am wrong about this, but I think they actually take the corneas off of cadavers. Yeah, that's dead people. 
kind of scary and freaky. Um, and they put those on your eyes to fix your eyes. So I could be wrong about this, but that's what I think. But they've come up with this new uh, way. It's a biocompatible antimicrobial adhesive for corneal repair and grafting that's uh, that could possibly replace sutures and conventional adhesives. So they're... The other way that it's done, they have a lot of bad side effects. So a lot of negative uh, side effects to uh, cornea repair because of the cytotoxicity and, and a lot of, uh, I think it's called cyanoacrylate glue. And it's not FDA approved. has a bunch of issues with it. It causes problems. And later on, you got to get it more fixed because it doesn't work with your eye. But in uh, University of California Riverside, they just created this new glue that's actually biocompatible. And there's over 40,000 corneal grafting procedures performed each year in the United States with over 600,000 open globe corneal tears. So this actually could really impact a lot of people. And I know that my dad would have uh, definitely enjoyed it. I remember we used to watch uh, watch movies together and uh, he'd hold one hand over his eye looking up the movie and asking me what the subtitles read because he couldn't see out of the corneal until he got it fixed. So I think that's good news. I think it's good news that we got some new eyes uh, working uh, as we get ready for the Christmas season with some new glue on the market. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Now Jeff... You have this great idea, and it actually ties in to one of the stories I was looking up this morning. Jeff says we should use cardboard toys to reduce plastic waste. I think that's a genius idea. In fact, I'll tell you what. As a bit of a connoisseur of kids myself, i got some kids myself, oftentimes on Christmas, I'd buy them a gift that I thought was just like absolutely super exciting and fun. And guess what they decided to play with instead? the box that it came in. I was like, hey, check this out. We've got this awesome thing. And they're like, let's play with the box. And I was like, "What? wait, I, I spent all the money on this. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to play with the box. So, all right, kids get to choose. And we made some spaceships. I think we made a submarine for uh, deep sea adventures with our cardboard box as well, too. We've gone all over the place with the box. I think we even made body armor. That was wild, actually. We made cardboard body armor. Um, which, uh, that, that was actually pretty crazy. We kind of had like a little, uh, Coliseum gladiatorial event in the house, uh, with cardboard armor, super fun. But what I like about this is it reminds me of a story. So he wants to use cardboard toys to reduce plastic waste. Uh, Jeff, I think that's a good idea. And here's, uh, how it ties in with one of the stories I was looking at. So plastic waste, uh, is one of the, contaminants in our oceans and in the ocean up north there I, I don't even know it could be close to townsville i might be getting my geography wrong there but up north at the great barrier reef there's been some serious issues with the coral reef dying but have we got some good news for you so check this out the first coral ivf babies yeah you heard me right that's i just said that i just said ivf Coral babies on the Great Barrier Reef have produced the next generation, the first time that a breeding population has been established on the Great Barrier Reef using the innovative process. Okay, we just got to press pause here. What is going on? We're using IVF 
on coral reef babies. First off, when I hear the word coral reef babies, I just they just look cute. I don't even know what they would look like exactly, but a little coral reef baby just sounds like something that would be really, really cute. But it's crazy that in 2016, apparently in the story, they came up with a, a new method uh, to help reproduce the coral reef because coral reef was dying. It was, it was falling away. There's a bleaching process happening. It was really sad. So like, okay, we got to help these coral reefs make babies. So the IVF process of coral reef, they started out in 2016. And this year, the good news is, is that whole process, they've reached maturity and now they're reproducing on their own. So we're doing basically like generational coral reef reproduction. I, I, I think that's really, really cool. Now, I'm someone who loves to go snorkeling. I love I love spearfishing, though spearfishing for me usually ends up just being snorkeling because I'm actually really bad at spearfishing. So I have all the equipment. I'm just not good at it. So I end up just snorkeling with a spear gun because I never actually get anything. But I'm trying, okay? Maybe with some practice makes perfect. Uh, but anyway, I'm out there. I'm snorkeling. Or I'm telling myself I'm spearfishing, but actually I'm just snorkeling. I'm just free diving. And it's so beautiful to see all the coral leaves, uh, or not the coral leaves, but like the little uh, sea anemones and the, all the little life that's there. And and one thing I have that I love to do is, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of problems on the land. There's a lot of issues in this world. Maybe you've experienced some of those issues. But when I go out pretending to spearfish but actually just snorkeling, I leave all my problems on the beach all my problems on the land, and I'm just floating around. I got my little snorkel. I'm floating on the top. I actually, this is a crazy thing, probably not the safest thing, but I fell asleep once snorkeling. I know. You're thinking to yourself, uh, what is going on? How is that possible? But I don't know. I just was I was just sitting there floating, just going, wow, this is so beautiful. And then all of a sudden, that was me snoring. And I just started sleeping while floating on the water and then it woke up really quick because a bunch of water went down my throat um and it made things really really awkward but i survived that and i realized probably shouldn't go sleeping when i go snorkeling next time but the everything underneath was so beautiful it's like a whole other world down there so if you haven't done it get to the great barrier reef get to uh the, the nearest snorkeling free diving venue that you can get to and have yourself a good time. One time I actually was in Solomon Islands and I did some snorkeling there. It was beautiful. All the World War II um, planes that had crashed into the water, we were diving through them and looking at them. It was, it was really, really incredible. And then the coral had actually grown on top of that as well too, some barnacles and things like that. So... Those are some, that, that, that's a little side project there. But I want to know from our listeners, what are you doing this Christmas? Like, I, I don't know. Like, do you do something different? Like, you know, our family, we, you know, have a big bonfire. We shoot guns. Uh, we ride quads. We have a good time with the family normally. What, what's some crazy Christmas traditions that you guys have as listeners. Text them in 0491-064-669. I just want to know because I kind of want to know like what Aussies do for Christmas. Like I I always see it, it's crazy like, you know, they talk about Santa Claus and the reindeer, but but when I'm driving down the neighborhood at my house, they have this 
big bearded guy, and he's behind a bunch of kangaroos in Australia. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but uh, all the houses that are decorated. So that's kind of an interesting tradition. Like when when Santa comes to uh, you know Australia, he just changes out the reindeer for kangaroos. I guess you know I'm not a big Santa guy myself. But I just find it interesting that we've got some different Christmas traditions in different countries. So I want to know what makes an Aussie Christmas. You know, it's obviously not the snow because it's the middle of summer. And I'm sweating right now, heaps. So that's not happening. But make Christmas barbecue. Uh, what makes a, a Christmas tradition in your life, in your home that you want to uh, share with us on the radio? So text them in. Actually, even if you can send in a sweet meme. I love memes. So text in a meme, 0491 of what you do in Australia for Christmas. I think that's going to be really exciting. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. I got a text from one of our listeners. What does gluten steaks, family time, and a swimming pool have in common? Well, that's some Christmas traditions here in Australia. Gluten steaks, definitely, that sounds like some Adventist Christmas traditions. But uh, this year, my main man, Houston, he is hosting his in-laws. Good luck, my friend. Good luck. Could be a bit wild. Uh, wild times for Houston doing the old Christmas with the in-laws. Uh, it's going to be fun. Set your own traditions up there, Houston. Don't be afraid. And uh, just uh, have a good Christmas time down there in Canberra. Super excited about that. All right. I got some bad news, got some good news. Bad news is uh, I am still the only person in the studio. It's I'm doing like a marathon, but the problem is I have not been blessed with the body of someone who does marathons. I'm more of like, you know, a coach's body. I've got a strong coach body, okay? But I'm going at it anyway, and we're going marathon style. But we don't have our interview guest this morning as well. So like, things are just going absolutely wild. So you know what I've done? I'm, I'm just changing things wild up. And I'm going to share some stories about Christmas and just stories about crazy stuff that's happened in my life. So first off, my wife is from Zimbabwe. She is this beautiful black African princess. And I'm like a little redneck white guy. And I was like, hey. You should come to my place for Christmas, darling. And so we went up to America, up in the mountains, and she has never seen snow. First time ever, she was like, okay, let's go check it out. So I told her, I was like, okay, we're going to go up. We're going to cut a Christmas tree. We're going to go out and cut a Christmas tree. We're going to go play in the snow. And she's like, I'm so excited. So this was this is a few years ago. This is before we were married. So we're going up. She's all excited, um, and she's she's dressed up all nice in her snow gear, right? And um, we get out. My dad puts these little gaiters on. I don't know if you know what gaiters are, but it's kind of like those little things that you strap up around uh, the end of your pants over your uh, the bottom of your legs where your feet are, and the gaiters keep the snow out from the boots. So we go up. It's a winter wonderland. Snow, trees, pine forest gorgeous it looks wonderful we've got hot cocoa ready to go we're gonna make some s'mores if you don't know what s'mores are are you really even living you need to have some s'mores get some get some good beautiful uh, the, actually the vegan uh marshmallows are the best by the way uh had some of those for thanksgiving with robbie morgan he had vegan marshmallow and yams which sounds like a really gross mix but when you put the sweet potato and the marshmallows together it's amazing. 
Very, very beautiful. So check that out. But this is a crazy thing. So we're up there. We're driving up into the snow. The the pine, is, all the pines are covered in snow. Malvinus is just like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. First time ever. She's never seen this before. We get out. Dad's got the gators on, on his feet, right? We go out, and she's got her little gloves on, and then it hits her. She realizes snow is actually ice that's white. And she, I don't know what she thought. Like, I don't know if she thought it was like sugared powder, like uh, powdered sugar, and she's just going to roll in it, and it was going to be fun. But, like, the snow hits her skin, like she goes out and she touches it with her hand. She's like, what is going on? This is freezing. You did not tell me how cold this was going to be. And she was furious with me. I, I don't know why. Like I, I, w- I was like, snow, it's cold. Like this is a common known thing, but because she'd never seen it before. And then the fateful thing happens. So first off, she's upset because it's cold. But then a little bit of snow drops right into her left boot. I'm lucky to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. That was a wild moment. When the snow dropped into her left boot and it actually got in where her shoe was, she flipped out. She was like, what are you doing? You're trying to kill me. You know, and I'm like, no, I'm not trying to kill you. This is just snow. And she's like, you set this up. You organized this. This is on you. You know, she was super angry because she didn't realize how cold the snow actually was because Christmas in the Southern Hemisphere is actually quite warm. But Christmas in the Northern Hemisphere is the opposite of warm, except when you're snuggled up around a campfire. So that was a wild time. Uh, don't worry, though. We still got married. She still loves me. Um, but it was, a, it was a rough patch there for that first Christmas with the snow getting into the boot. She has still not let me forget that I did not protect her feet from the snow. Which, looking back on it, I don't even know if that was my fault. You know, like she said it was, but it's like, eh. You gotta you gotta prepare yourself for snow sometimes, darling. Not not always my fault. Anyway, uh, we have some other stories uh, that I'm thinking of as well too. I mentioned Solomon Islands before. Okay, now the reason we are in Solomon Islands. Now this has nothing to do with Christmas, but I'm just you know, I've taken the show over. It's I'm no one can stop me. I'm gonna say whatever I want to say, but I just I want to tell you a story about Nancy. Okay, so there's this lady named Nancy in the Solomon Islands. This is a crazy story. So we had gone over there. It was for uh, like a fly and build project in the Solomon Islands in a little place called uh, Hyperia, which is up in the up in the mountains. Uh, the only it's like a thirty kilometer walk into Hyperia. Now the crazy thing is, so it's on the island of uh, Guadalcanal. Not Hani, uh, Haniara is there, but then it's a 30K walk to the nearest road. And you have to cross, I think, the river seven times, which is crazy. But good news is we got a helicopter to take us and drop us off. The only time I rode a helicopter. I've got a picture of it. Hopefully, I can put it up on Faith FM somewhere uh, later on. But uh, it's just me with um, some helicopter headphones, kind of like the headphones I'm wearing now, but with a thumbs up. It's... One of my favorite photos of all time. So we fly in, helicopter it in. No one speaks English there. Uh, they speak a language called Koyo. Or maybe it's Koya. Yeah, I think it's Koya. K-O-Y-A. And Koya, the literal translation to English is to kill you. So the language that they speak translates to kill you. Like that's what it was. So it's kind of a wild, wild spot. So we're there, Hyperia, super wild, wild place. 
we land, no one speaks English, and I'm praying, you know, Lord, please help us to be able to communicate to these people uh, so we can connect with them. Because what we're there to do is to build a health clinic and maybe make some repairs on an old school that had been there. And, and this this clinic was has not been seen to for a long time. Some guy in the 70s went up there and set it up, and then it wasn't seen to for a long time after that. So we're up there trying to redo uh, the renovations on this health clinic, make it nice. And when we get there, I meet I meet this girl, and I meet this girl named Nancy and her friend as well too, which I actually forget her friend's name, and I apologize. But so I meet Nancy and the friend. We go up to where the school is. They kind of give me a little tour, and we sit down. And with Nancy, I just sit down and I start writing down Koya the whole time. So I'm like writing down how to speak Koya, and I'm saying, okay, if I want to say this, because she Nancy was the only one who knew English and Koya, right? So no one else spoke uh, both languages, but but Nancy did. So I'm writing down for like three hours, right? So it's like a hardcore lesson. I've got my little notebook. I still have the notebook actually in my bookshelf. And I've got a little notebook in there, and I'm writing down all of the words, like to say, hey, how are you doing? What's up? Like just to greet, hi, my name is this. What's your name? Like how to greet people, how to speak with people in Koya. So Nancy, we're there, and her friend, probably for like three hours up at the schoolhouse and then they go and I come back uh, to where the crew is and we're there for like 21 days, right? So we're up there working for a long time. The next day I see the girl who was with Nancy. I was like, hey, where's Nancy? And then she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know, Nancy, like where's Nancy, the the person, you know, that and and she didn't know, didn't know where Nancy was or who Nancy was or what I was even talking about. So I start asking around the village, like, hey, you know, where's Nancy? I want to talk to Nancy. No one knows. No one knows nothing about Nancy. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's kind of strange, a little bit kind of weird. So anyway, Nancy, she's gone. No evidence. Even if I was Sherlock Holmes, couldn't find her. She's absolutely out of the picture. But the stuff that she has told me, right, I am learning this Koya language a little bit, and it was enough to kind of communicate with some of the guys. So we're digging this ditch to lay out uh, a big power line because uh, we set up some solar power for them up there. And as I'm digging with these guys, I start talking to them in Koya or doing my best to talk to them. And then through the conversation, they, they're like, hey, we want to study the Bible with you. And I was like, let's do it. So we ended up having like an evangelism meeting impromptu up at the schoolhouse. Ironically, the same place that Nancy taught me how to speak Koya. So we go up to the schoolhouse. And we start, there's about like, I don't know, 20 people who come, and plus the seven of us who are up there on this mission trip. And then this amazing thing happens. I Like we start, I'm, I'm doing my best to speak in Koya to start with, but then I'm just like, look, look, sorry, everyone. I, I can only speak English. Um, so I'm just going to do my best to speak in English, and we'll do our best to, you know, uh, go through the Bible and study it together. And a lot of these guys, they had been uh, using substance abuse, you know, drinking, smoking, marijuana, a lot of a lot of unhealthy practice. They have got this, I think it's called betel nut. They chew that in Solomon Islands. It's kind of, it's like a red stuff they mix with lime and it's just, it's a little bit wild. It's not good for you. Anyway, so they're all up there. We're talking about how our body is the temple of God and how we should take care of it. And And as we're doing these studies each night, I'm doing the studies just like this. I'm speaking English, like I'm saying hello in Koya or whatever, but then I'm just going fully in English. 
But what happens is some of the people who are on the trip with me, they're like, hey, how'd you learn the language so fast? And they would ask me after the meetings. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I've actually been speaking in English. And they're like, no, you're not. And I was like, no, trust me, I am speaking in English. And they're like, no, 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 you're, you're actually speaking Koya. We, we're not even hearing you. Like, you're speaking another language. And I was like, no, no, I'm speaking the same way that I'm speaking to you right now. And I can't explain it. I don't know exactly how it happened. But during the time that we were there, 15 people decided to give their hearts to Jesus. And, and these were some, some rough dudes who'd had a rough background. And, but they were like, you know what? We want to, we want to follow this God that you're talking about. And I'm talking to you just like I'm talking to you right now in English, but they're hearing Koyo. They're understanding their language in a way that they have been able to make a decision to follow Christ. And it was a crazy experience for me because I believe wholeheartedly that that was the spiritual gift of tongues. Like it was the gift I'm speaking like, you know, Peter, Paul, Oh, not Paul, but Peter and the boys in, in acts, the beginning of acts there, they're speaking one thing and everyone is hearing their own thing. Right. Then when they make this decision to get baptized, um, we, we've got to go, you know, we're, we're, we're on our way out, but they're, they've made that decision and there's another, so we're, we've call or we've, uh, radioed for another pastor to come and, and they're going to do this baptism. But, I'm leaving. It's 4.30 in the morning. It's like I'm doing radio super early, right? We get up and we have to walk for 30 kilometers out of the jungle, right? Right when we get up, and this is before I fall down the side and I lost my wedding ring, which my wife still reminds me of, so please don't bring that story up. But before I do that, I look back 4.30 in the morning and I see the girl who I had seen earlier in the week and right next to her, is none other than Nancy. She's standing right next to her. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe in my heart that Nancy is actually an angel. And she taught me enough of Koya to make those connections. And then God used a miracle to reach these people through the, the spiritual gift of tongues. And that's what the gift of tongues is all about. We're talking about Christmas gifts. The gift of tongues is about communicating the gospel to those people in the world who you can't communicate with without the Holy Spirit helping you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.